0: Listening to the Trinity Church Chester Sermon Podcast. Trinity Church Chester is a new church seeking to reach the city with the good news of Jesus Christ. And at the heart of our ministry is our Sunday worship service, in which we hear a sermon preached from a particular part of the Bible. We're glad you're listening. We'd love to see you in person at the Welsh Presbyterian Church building on St. John Street in the city centre. We meet there every Sunday at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and you can find more details on our website trinitychester.church. Come and join us as we seek to glorify God and enjoy him forever. We're reading from Luke chapter 1 verse 5 to 25 and then verse 67 to 79. Let's hear God's word. In the days of Herod king of Judea there was a priest named Zechariah to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel, I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place... Because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them. And they realised that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived... And for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. And his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David's, Thank you.
1: Thank you, everybody, uh, for letting me preach today. It truly is an honor and a joy. And my prayer this morning uh, is just that it's really helpful and that the Lord would use this time for his glory. Uh, This morning, we're going to be looking at the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth and the birth of John. The baptist uh, whilst reading this story i was kind of struck by how overlooked it is uh, there was just so much to zechariah's story that i wasn't aware of and maybe that's because it runs parallel with and is intertwined with you know the christmas story uh, but it has a lot to say about the christmas story and has a lot to say about god's promises and practically what it looks like to hold on to them in the midst of an unsteady and uncertain time as we wait for the Lord's return. And in light of their story, uh, the two things that we're going to be thinking about today are what does God's promise mean for Zechariah and what does God's promise mean for us? So Luke begins in verse 5 with, In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth, and they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. So Luke tells us that this happened in a period of time called the Days of Herod, and the Days of Herod were a very chaotic and difficult time for judea uh, there is no widespread unity among the jewish people the religion has fractured into various groups each with their own conflicting uh, and competing takes on the law and how it's to be interpreted uh, groups like the pharisees the sadducees the essenes and in jerusalem you have groups like the zealots who often resort to violence and guerrilla tactics against the Roman authorities and Jewish leaders who compromised with Rome. And their actions today would, of course, be called terrorism. And in God, in all of this, was silent. He had not spoken to Israel through a prophet for 400 years. And the nation of Israel reflected that. It was a chaotic mess of false prophets, false messiahs, several political factions, all fighting for influence, a spiritual, cultural and economic mess. And Herod the Great was a hated figure in Israel. Uh, He's only king because the Romans have made him king. He captures Jerusalem by force with help from the Roman Senate in 37 BC. And the Romans declare him to be king of the Jews. And his rule is known for being brutal and harsh. As Matthew tells us, he orders the killing of all male infants under the age of two in Bethlehem in an attempt to eradicate a potential threat to his rule. So he's deeply insecure and he's deeply cruel. And in Herod's case, he definitely can't escape the circumstances under which he was made king. If Putin successfully brings Ukraine under Russian rule as he wishes to and then establishes a puppet president in place of Zelensky like he did uh, in Belarus with Lukashenko, do you think the Ukrainian people would ever come to love this puppet president or ever come to gladly follow him as their leader? Well, no, of course not. Herod has never had to win the hearts and minds of the Jewish people. He's no King David, and the Jewish people, by and large, hate him. And he has led Israel into a brutal dictatorship. And it's against that backdrop that Luke introduces a family called Zechariah and Elizabeth, As a priest, Zechariah had many sacred responsibilities. He would teach the Bible to the people, he would participate in animal sacrifices, and he was one of the lucky few godly men who were given the honor of burning incense, which was a duty reserved only for the most esteemed priests. And Luke tells us that Zechariah's wife, Elizabeth, was a descendant from the daughter's of Aaron, Aaron, who was Moses' brother, who served as the first high priest of Israel. So this is truly a priestly family with a long lineage of priests and traditions. And not only that, they're a really faithful family, as Luke tells us in verse 6. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord So, they are a really priestly family uh, serving the Jewish people and God during a time of spiritual discouragement and disunity, living through the brutality of a brutal and tyrannical leader. And not only that, they're facing a deep personal challenge. They were unable to have children. And it wasn't because they didn't want children, uh, but as Luke Tail tells us, they were unable to do so because Elizabeth was barren and they were advanced in years. Now we know that women who were unable to have children in the ancient world were often unjustly shunned, uh, looked down upon, despised. Fertility is important for cultures to survive. And it was among the blessings of obedience that God had promised Israel. However, many people come to the wrong conclusion from that promise. Some thought that any individual case of barrenness was a sign of God's disfavor. So you can imagine how difficult it must have been for a barren woman back in ancient Israel. So a really faithful people... During a period of struggle, Zechariah and Elizabeth. It instantly reminded me of a lot of people who I've met at church. It's rarely at somebody's birthday party that you're struck by their godliness. It tends to be when somebody's going through a period of trial, isn't it? That their godly character is so stark and noticeable Uh, Francis Collins was the director of the National Institute of Health in America from 1993 to 2022. Uh, He's currently a science advisor to the president. And he actually spent time with the pastor and theologian Tim Keller during some of the most difficult parts of Keller's cancer treatment. And he would later recount that in an article for Christianity Today, writing... Being with Tim Keller during this time was a gift of profound significance to all of us who were able to be connected. As a National Institute of Health physician, I was able to spend periods of time in his room. Tim, Kathy and I had intense discussions about how society seems to have lost its anchor to the truth that Jesus says will set you free. And Tim strongly encouraged me to map out a book on this topic i told him it was too bad he had to get cancer so that i could learn more from him to see somebody going through something like childlessness or even a sorrowful diagnosis with such faithfulness and obedience it's really inspiring isn't it well in many ways that is like a distant echo of what makes Zechariah and Elizabeth's story so compelling. In the first place, they're walking through deep discouragement and trial, but by God's grace, they are staying faithful. But then something changes. Uh, One day, whilst he's doing his duty at the temple, as a great crowd is gathered outside for the burning of the incense, the centerpiece of the whole ritual, Zechariah is visited by the angel Gabriel. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. To make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Zechariah, your prayers have been heard. Well, Zechariah's prayers for what was my first thought? Uh, His prayers for Israel to be free from the oppressive regime of Herod. Uh, What about his prayers for the spiritual restoration of the nation, that God would send a prophet and speak to Israel again? What about prayers about sin? like everything he 's doing in the temple is the result of the problem of sin, ultimately, and eager expectation for the Messiah to come. He has to make animal sacrifices as a symbol for the brutal cost and effect of sin. As a priest, he has to intercede on behalf of the Jewish people because of the effects of sin. Perhaps Gabriel is answering Zechariah 's prayers about the problem of sin. But then Gabriel says, your prayer has been heard, your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. I wonder if that's the prayer that he'd have expected. And you shall call his name John and you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice in his birth. Yeah, I bet there would be joy and gladness. Like, Can you imagine what that would do for Elizabeth in this culture, for the community around them that have walked with them through years of suffering? God has heard you, Zechariah and Elizabeth. God has heard you. In your trial, in your pain, in your waiting, God has heard you. Four words that mean so much, don't they? even to us now. There have been certainly times in my life, even over this past year, where I have been desperate to hear that. But as soon we will see, God has heard way more than that. The angel Gabriel tells us that this is not just any son, for he will be great before the Lord, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And in the midst of the political turmoil and terrorism and evil, corrupt leaders, after 400 years of silence from the prophets, he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. The Lord's silence to Israel after 400 years answered. Uh, The Lord's silence to Zechariah and Elizabeth for a son after all those years answered. The people wondering if the Lord had forgotten them. Well, your son, Zechariah, will be a prophet like Elijah. Israel was crying out for a prophet like Elijah A fearless prophet who would boldly declare the word of the Lord to Herod, to the corrupt leaders, to turn Israel's heart back to God. Well, your son Zechariah will be a prophet like Elijah. In Matthew 11, the one Jesus would call the greatest of all the prophets. Your son will prepare the people because the Lord himself is coming. And Zechariah is a priest. So he would have known what that was referring to. In Malachi 3, uh, 400 years earlier, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. And in Isaiah, verses uh, 43 and 5, a voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our gods. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed. So what does this mean for Zechariah? Well, to a people oppressed by a brutal dictator, a new kingdom is coming. To a people oppressed by sin and death, everlasting life is coming. To a people separated from God, or the Lord himself is coming to you. And in the ancient text that your people have searched through and taught and held sacred for hundreds, some thousands of years. Your son, Zechariah, is the prophet who the great prophets of old talked about, who will prepare the way for the king of an eternal kingdom. The Lord is keeping his promises his people. For Zechariah it is an answer to the personal trial over the issue of a child. For Israel it is an answer to the 400 years of silence and for all mankind it's an answer to the problem of sin. For when Jesus comes it will be the fulfillment of Zechariah's priestly duties at the temple altogether. So that's what it means for Zechariah. And secondly, what does it mean for us? Well, Zechariah's response is actually really interesting Uh, for a man we've been told is so faithful, so obedient to God. His response is unbelief. He says, how shall I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife is advanced in years. I don't believe you. Give me a sign. You are a priest of Israel. It's your job to teach the Bible. Why don't you think God is going to keep his promises to his people? The angel Gabriel is stood in the Holy of Holies next to you. Why is it so unbelievable that God in his infinite wisdom and glory could keep his covenant promises with his people and simultaneously do something really kind for you, like give you a child? What an honour it is to write you into his covenant story. For a man so faithful, so privileged, with so much access to the scriptures, to display such unbelief, it's discouraging, isn't it? But it's also really challenging, because I claim to believe these same promises Zechariah did. I claim to have seen them fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. How much more privileged am I? How much more access to the word of God do I have? And for all my criticism of Zechariah after the fact, would I be that much different? I wish in my weakest moments, I was clinging to God with a confident hopefulness, but I'm usually the one just begging God for a sign. And of course, the Lord does not owe me a sign, and the Lord doesn't owe Zechariah a sign for all his faithful obedience. However, God, in his profound kindness, he does give Zechariah the sign that he asked for. Gabriel actually silences Zechariah. And the angel answered him, "'I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news.' And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And that is exactly what happens. As we read on through Zechariah's story, incredibly, Elizabeth does get pregnant, and eventually she does give birth to a son. And eight days after the birth, when it's time to circumcise him, Elizabeth and Zechariah name him John. As the Lord had promised them. And it says that immediately Zechariah's mouth was opened and his tongue loosened, and he spoke, blessing God. And as Luke's gospel continues, you see that the Lord keeps his promises to Zechariah completely. His promises to Israel through the prophets of old, Zechariah's son was a prophet in the spirit and power of Elijah. Though Zechariah in his waiting stumbled, he doubted God. God did not stumble to keep his promises. So, what does that mean for us? Well, one encouragement is that the Lord, in Zechariah's silence, was clearly producing something in his heart. I've never been mute for nine months. But the very fact that the second Zechariah's mouth was opened, blessings can't help but overflow from it, like it speaks to a heart overflowing with the Lord's blessing, doesn't it? It's amazing that in his waiting, Zechariah did not grow bitter or cynical to the Lord, but incredibly the Lord appears to have nursed his heart of unbelief. And Zechariah over his newborn son would say, and you child will be called the prophet of the most high for you will be go you will go before the lord to prepare his ways to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins that is an incredible transformative work that the lord has done in zechariah's heart by the holy spirit from needing a sign to believe in the lord's promises to being filled with the Holy Spirit declaring his son to be evidence of the Lord's promises. It's a really, really hope-filled story of God's victory over Zechariah's heart. And it's a testament to the Lord's promise that he will keep his people. Often in periods of trial and difficulty, when we may, God may even appear to be silent with us. But we may even be begging him for a sign, it can be really hard to believe that the Lord is sanctifying us, that he is making us more like him. And yet in Zechariah's story, we see the Lord doing exactly that, don't we? We can hold on to the promise that in our trials, the Lord will grow his people in holiness, in faithfulness, In perseverance, in joy. So what does that mean for us? Well firstly, whether we're waiting on a personal struggle that might pain us daily, or we're waiting in the grand struggle, eagerly waiting for Jesus's return, our waiting is always meaningful. It's always purposeful. We can believe that the Lord is doing it for our good. And secondly, what else does it mean for us? And finally, well, it means that the Lord will always be faithful to keep his promises. The great hope of the Christian story is that in that manger lay the saviour of the world. And it's the great story that all other cultures draw from, the fulfilment of the Lord's promise. The one who will bring about the end of sin, death, pain, and suffering. And of course we know that not everything we want to happen in life happens. Not everybody who prays for a child will get one. Not everybody who prays to receive the not everybody who we pray to receive the gospel for will believe. And we along the journey we will stumble and we will fall and we will doubt God in our lowest moments. But the Lord will not stumble. The Lord will keep his promises. And at the cross, where Jesus would lay down his life, we see exactly how faithful our Lord is to keep his promises. The sign we wish to see of the Lord's faithfulness, well, they shall mark his hands for all eternity. Promises kept by blood and tears, and a sign that the Lord did not leave us in our hopelessness. And he will not leave us now in our waiting. He will keep his promises. As Zechariah later says, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people, and he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. So what does that mean for us? Well, firstly, that our waiting is not meaningless. It's purposeful. The Lord is producing something within us. And secondly, the Lord is faithful and he will keep his promises. I'm going to pray for us now. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, We thank you, Lord, that it is good for us. We thank you, Lord, that whenever it's opened, you are speaking. We thank you, Lord, that we have it and we can refer to it in times of need and stress and difficulty. And we thank you, Lord, that through it you have proven that you are faithful. We thank you that on the cross you prove prove to us that you are faithful. And we pray, Lord, that you would bless us with a heavenly perspective in times of waiting. We pray that you would help us grow in our knowledge and understanding and love of you And that we would see our waiting as something in which you're doing something good within us. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to the Trinity Church Chester Sermon Podcast hope that this message is a blessing to you. If you'd like to know more about the Christian faith and what it means to live as a Christian, please do get in touch. You can email hello at trinitychester.church or head to the connect page on our website trinitychester.church forward connect. We'd love to hear from you soon.